Revolt Black News, presented by State Farm. This week in Revolt Black News, we keep it a buck with Biden's first 100 days in office. But before we do, let's take a quick moment to remember what he said when he actually won the election. See, remember Biden slammed his fist and he thanked us. And he said, the African-American community stood up again for me. You've always had my back and I'll have yours. Well, Mr. President, now I have to ask the question, are we getting economic advancement? How about civil rights? How about social justice? And will the U.S. Senate actually pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act? Are we even able to obtain home loans without being racially discriminated against? Now, of course, 100 days doesn't make all of that happen. But if we don't see a path forward for our people in those first 100 days, then we know the next 100 days have to look real different. And not just for you, Mr. President, but also for us. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now you heard it in the show open. We've just concluded the first 100 days in office for President Biden and his administration. But the question is, what has this administration really done for America and the black community in that time? So here to help us have some insight, we have senior advisor to the president, as well as director of the White House Office of Public Engagement, Mr. Cedric Richmond. Cedric, welcome to the show. Now, Cedric, you're one of the highest ranking officials in this administration, and we saw right after inauguration, Vice President Harris swearing in uh, one after another after another of countless cabinet representatives uh, that were diverse, many of whom were Black. Cedric, do you think that the Black community, though, feels that the representation within the administration reflects uh, their daily life and will have an impact for them? I do. And you're right, it is uh, the most, uh, if not one of the most, uh, diverse cabinets in the history of this country. You have the first uh, African-American Secretary of Defense, first African-American female vice president, uh, first African-American to lead the Council of Economic Advisors, first African-American to lead the Environmental Protection Agency. If you look at our policies over the first 100 days, uh, they were all done with racial equity in mind. So whether it was the American Recovery Plan are some of our executive orders from the beginning uh, with Secretary Fudge to root out systemic mm. racism in housing. And so when you start to see those, those are the you know, meat and potatoes issues that American families deal with. And so you're talking about home ownership, you're talking about childcare, you're talking about policing, all of those things. And I think that having a diverse cabinet allows us to uh, really hit those issues spot on. Okay, now also President Biden and y'all's administration uh, was elected during this global pandemic, Cedric, as you know, and we've reported here on Revolt Black News that you all have uh, superseded your expectations and goals of reaching over 200 million vaccination shots in these first 100 days. Now, all of that said though, Cedric, you know very well our, our people's history with uh, trepidation and hesitancy as it comes to medication and, and, and medical treatment in this country because of uh, you know, all the experimental things done to us uh, historically. Do you think that the diversity of the cabinet and this administration helps with those uh, hesitancy uh, elements that are at play as we try to have uh, as many folks in, uh, in the culture vaccinated as possible? Absolutely. And the two principles 
uh, desires. Uh, both President Biden and Vice President Harris uh, wanted to deal with that. And so here's what we did. We sent out uh, vaccines to pharmacies, and we didn't see our numbers go up in terms of minorities getting vaccinated. So then what we did is we went and list the community health centers because we know that they're smack dab in the heart of minority communities, especially black communities. We know that the black communities trust those doctors at the community health centers. And so now we're using them. And so if we just take seniors, for example, that's where we have the best data. Uh, we vaccinated mm -hmm. or, or over 80% of seniors have received shots. And so mm -hmm. if you're intentional about what you're doing, you can get to the result you want. So all of the things we did, whether it was investing money in black newspapers or other places to push the vaccine, it's paying off. And then the last thing I'll say on that is we've been brutally honest with people. And so we're giving them the science. We are being as transparent as we can. And so you saw with Johnson and Johnson, when there was a problem, we didn't hide mm -hmm. it, we pulled it. And then we put it mm -hmm. back out there. So uh, we believe if you give people the information and access to the vaccine, they will make the right decisions for their families. Cedric, we've seen reports that Attorney uh, General Merrick Garland, of course, is doing the investigation, opening the investigation in Minnesota around the patterns and practices, of course, um, uh, for discrimination and also excessive force uh, by law enforcement. That investigation is something that most people are happy to see, but it does not eradicate uh, the brute force and uh, deadly devastation uh, of many law enforcement agencies in the country. Uh, Cedric, my question is, what really can be the answer beyond these investigations, which are important? Is it the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act? Um, there's elements in that bill that do seem uh, like they would go a long way towards eradicating the devastation with law enforcement and Black people. Uh, and if that is an answer, in your opinion, can Congress get it done? That is part of the answer. And yes, I do think Congress can get it done. And I was a proud to co-author it when I was in Congress and the president supports it and uh, we're doing everything we can to help Congress get to a, a resolution where they can pass it and the president can sign it. But that's only part of the answer. The other part of the answer is the Justice Department and their investigations, uh, especially when you're talking about pattern and practice of violating uh, minorities' constitutional rights. And so we need police departments around the country to know uh, to be on notice that this Justice Department, and we're not directing them to, they're operating independently, but that they're looking at how police departments, police communities all across this country. And then the last thing I'll add to that, we don't talk about enough, is that uh, we need to look at this also as a recruiting problem. Uh, hmm. Far too many police departments don't look like the communities they police. When you combine all of those together, we think that that is the foundation to getting to where we need to be in terms of excessive force being utilized on unarmed uh, African-Americans and minorities all across the country. Okay, a couple of final questions for you, Cedric. Let's talk about education real quick. We know that mm -hmm. that can often be, uh, you know, an entry point to uh, breaking cycles of generational poverty. We see this administration has recently announced a $1.8 trillion plan for universal pre-K that starts with ages three and four. Now, we know off the gate that's going to save a lot of parents money on child care and things of this nature. What are some other direct benefits uh, to, to, to Black children in America with that type of uh, spending plan? Well, what we want to do is add four years of free uh, public education, two years on the front end. So that would be your two and three-year-olds, because we already have uh, pre-K four. 
And then on the back end with your first two years of community college or your first two years at the HBCU minority serving institution or uh, Hispanic serving institution, because we know that education is the game changer. It levels the playing field. It allows you to pursue your wildest dreams and dictate your own destiny. And so we believe that if we can give them school at a very young age, it empowers the parents to go back and join the workforce, especially women, because the child now is actually in school learning and they can be in the workforce. So for those who choose to join the workforce. So we look at it in a, in a way that we think it helps everybody. Okay, uh, finally, Cedric, talking about helping everybody, the American Family Plan. Just give me a couple of ways in which that will directly benefit uh, members of the black community. Well, it's it would one, uh, take some of the benefits from the American Rescue Plan. Remember, uh, we reduced child poverty by 50% this year, poverty in the black community by 34% this year, the Hispanic community by 39% and the Asian Americans Pacific Islander community by 22%. So we're gonna take that earned income tax credit that we did in the American Rescue Plan and we wanna move it to the American Families Plan as well as the enhanced child tax credit and the child independent tax credit because we know that so many families find themselves sandwiched in between taking care of either a young child or an elderly parent. We also go and make historic investments all across the board. And even in the American Jobs Plan, we invest $5 billion for, to reduce community violence across the country. And we know how important that is, especially in, in communities of color. President Biden and Vice President Harris have a very ambitious agenda. We passed a $1.9 trillion bill in the beginning because we needed it uh, to get out of the pandemic. And now we've proposed the American Jobs Plan and American Families Plan so that we can invest in the future. So whether it's the care economy, our infrastructure, in the American Rescue Plan, you saw us uh, put aside $4 billion for uh, minority farmers that have been traditionally discriminated against by the federal government who've seen their land uh, be taken and all of those things. So uh, we are proud of the first 100 days, but we'll tell you this, uh, we faced many in crisis, we endured many crises, we've met many crises, but we have a long way to go. And uh, we look forward to doing it, but we're not gonna take a victory lap. We're just gonna keep our head down and mm -hmm. keep working until we get it right. Well, listen, Cedric, for the sake of our people, I certainly hope you and the administration are successful. Cedric Richmond, we thank you for your time and everything you're doing on behalf of the community. Uh, you're always welcome here at Revolt Black News. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We've got headlines for you when we come back. We've got more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Here are this week's headlines. Derek Chauvin's attorney has filed a motion for a new trial, alleging pretrial publicity affected Chauvin's right to a fair trial. Now, the motion makes mention of eight abuses by the court in total, and it requests an order to impeach the verdict. Now, look, y'all, before you get alarmed, this is exactly why we do this show. We have had Floyd family attorney Chris Stewart on this show, not once but twice. The first time, he accurately predicted that Chauvin would be found guilty. Then he came back and told us, when I asked him about an appeal, he said, they typically are always denied. 
So as always, y'all, we will stay all over this news as it develops. Over to vaccine news. President Biden has set a new goal for 70% of U.S. adults to have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccination by July 4th. Let's look. As we turn to this new phase, we're also setting a new goal. Two months from today, two months from today, families across the country are going to celebrate the 4th of July. Our goal by July 4th is to have 70% of adult Americans at least one shot and 160 million Americans fully vaccinated. That means giving close to 100 million shots, some first shots, other second shots, over the next 60 days. Of course, Americans can still get shots after July 4th, but no one should wait. Let's try to hit that 70% mark, at least with one shot before that day. And the Biden administration is switching things up and going with a use it or lose it vaccination strategy. Now, states were told on Tuesday that any unordered doses can be made available for other states and their governors. Now, this is all in hopes of driving up the July 4th vaccination goal. And again, we will stay all over this. And Pfizer is developing a booster shot for people to receive within 12 months of their second dose. Now, Pfizer execs are saying that they are going to prioritize the elderly and people with underlying medical conditions as the booster is subject to rollout. And Vice President Kamala Harris has made her first visit to the state of Wisconsin since taking office. Now, she toured clean energy laboratories and was promoting President Biden's $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan. Let's watch. We are looking at billions of dollars that are going to go into what we need to do to make sure that America's workforce is trained to take on the jobs of the 21st century, with a particular emphasis on making sure that when we are looking at building up the skill sets, when we're looking at apprenticeships, that they are going to have equitable outcomes based on race and based on gender. And in some other news, a recent CNN poll showed that three out of 10 people believe that Joe Biden was illegitimately elected to the presidency. Let's watch this very alarming poll. A significant slice of the country questions the legitimacy, the very legitimacy of the Biden presidency. Let's look at these new numbers in our CNN poll. This is stunning. It's depressing. 30% of Americans, three in 10 Americans say no, Joe Biden did not legitimately win the presidency. 30% of Americans still believe that. It's a lie, but 30% of Americans still believe it. Break it down by party. 97% of Democrats, they get it. The election was free and fair. Joe Biden is president. But 7 in 10 Republicans still say the president of the United States is an illegitimate president. 7 in 10 Republicans say that, and 27% of independents say that. Imagine how much this complicates President Biden's efforts to talk to the country when 70% of Republicans think he doesn't deserve the job that he has. And things are heating up in the New York City mayoral race with candidate and businessman Ray McGuire. McGuire has gotten the endorsements of Revolt chairman Sean Love Combs, as well as other hip-hop titans like Jay-Z and Nas. Now, in a recent interview with the Daily News, McGuire didn't explicitly call out his fellow candidate, Andrew Yang, who has been leading in the polls. But McGuire did send him, we'll call it, some, some notes. McGuire said this, You take somebody who's actually, one, never done anything, never run anything other than his mouth, or somebody who says, I don't know how to manage, I'm going to get a team to manage. You look at that track record and you look at mine. I got receipts. This is about competence, right? It would be a travesty if somebody's first job is running New York City. Now, a spokeswoman for Andrew Yang did respond saying this. 
The only time Ray McGuire ever cared about government was when Citi needed a $45 billion bailout. While Ray was working for the Koch brothers, Andrew Yang was fighting to put money in the hands of working families. Now listen, us here at Revolt Black News, we've been all over this mayoral race from start and we will be over it until the finish. And we actually have Kay McGuire stopping by the show very soon, so we'll keep you posted. Now over in some extremely good news, Nigerian teen by the name of Victory Inka Baju has received 19 scholarship offers totaling over $5 million from some of the best universities in the U.S. and Canada. Inka Paju actually weighs her options from elite schools like Yale, Duke, Princeton, Harvard, Brown, MIT, Johns Hopkins, and the University of Virginia, but remains undecided and says she hopes that regardless of where she goes, she will be studying computational biology. Go off, sis. Congratulations to this shining example of black excellence. We deeply salute this young queen. All right, y'all, that's it for this week's headlines. Up next, Brandon Truckling joins us with an informational interview with SBA director Isabel Guzman about PPP loans and the restaurant revitalization fund. You wanna stick around? We got much more Revolt Black News after this. Trundling here back on Revolt Black News, here to spotlight not just the PPP program, but also the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. Here joining me, of course, is the head of the Small Business Administration, Isabel Guzman. Thanks for joining me. Well, Isabel, can you first tell us about the current round of SBA loans and how they're being used to contribute to businesses in Black and Latin communities? The SBA has really been working hard to deliver relief programs to small businesses, as well as its core programs, which include loans, investments, as well as technical assistance to help businesses build on the revenue side of the equation as well. And so, as you all have probably heard, American Rescue Plan funded additional money for PPP loans, as well as uh, strong support for grants for our highest impacted small businesses, especially in low-income communities. And then in addition, of course, our specialized industry-specific uh, grant programs for shuttered venues, as well as restaurants. And so there's a lot on the table in terms of relief for small businesses. And what we're trying to do is make sure we're getting the message out to small businesses, especially underserved businesses, which is our priority in the Biden-Harris administration, to make sure you're accessing these programs. And can you talk to us about the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, understanding that so many mom and pops have been compromised or crippled because of the pandemic, how can this help them get back on track? The, the American Rescue Plan included that $28.6 for the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, and it really gave us an opportunity to carve out what our priorities are at the SBA uh, under my leadership. I was just joined uh, less than a couple months ago, and what I've asked are our incredible mission focus the uh, you know uh, um, employees of the SBA is to be as entrepreneurial as the small businesses we serve. Uh, first and foremost, we know that all these businesses have had to adapt and pivot uh, to this changing marketplace, 
and we need to be just as adapted and meet the businesses where they're at. And so with the Restaurant Revitalization Fund program, we really prioritize uh, those core values of equity and bringing businesses back and creating jobs across all of our entrepreneurial communities. And with, uh, with this program, it's a grant program, not a loan program. We've seen an incredible response. It was a great success in terms of its initial launch. And we know that you know, many businesses out there in need need the support. The important thing about this is that it is first come, first serve, but in addition, Congress recognized the impact, especially um, on our you know, women, veteran, and socially and economically disadvantaged businesses, which meant you know, Black-owned businesses and, and others had a 21-day priority period uh, to access this program, really emphasizing that equity counts. Uh, in this relief program. So we're very excited to see the huge success of it so far and want more businesses to continue to be aware of these important relief programs. Is there a plan in place for those neighborhood establishments that have been permanently shut down due to COVID-19? If they're permanently shut down, uh, we want to support them at the SBA across our programs. With this relief program, they do need to be, the Restaurant Revitalization Fund program, they do need to be um, open uh, currently, uh, You know, even if it's a temporary shut, shutting, that's fine, but not a permanent one. However, SBA across the board, we have lending programs uh, as well as relief programs overall that will continue to try to support all of our entrepreneurs. We don't want any ideas uh, to be thwarted by lack of access to capital or opportunity. The PPP program wraps on May 31st. Will there be an additional round of relief available? With the PPP program, Congress would need to uh, you know, allocate additional funds to continue it. We did, under the Biden-Harris administration, extend it so that we could keep it going through the end of May. And in addition, we've prioritized those same communities impacted and not served in the first round. So it's still available, uh, especially you know, focusing on our mission lenders, our uh, minority depository institutions, uh, and others who are really important in getting this money out to our communities. And where can viewers go to learn more about PPP as well as the Restaurant Revitalization Fund? SBA.gov has extensive resources and then SBA.gov forward slash restaurants has all the information on that specific program if you'd like to go direct. Uh, but just know that you know, SBA is here as a team to help you and we have technical assistance, district offices on the ground to, to navigate you through all these resources. Isabel, thanks so much for joining me in this conversation. We most certainly appreciate your time. Up next in this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment, a special tribute to the great Andre Harrell one year later. More Revolt Black news after this. Everybody, I'm DJ Damage and I'm hosting this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment. I am here today because someone near and dear to me, the late great Andre Harrell, he had his untimely passing about a year ago and we're here to celebrate his legacy, his life as a mentor and a titan in our culture. But for right now, I'm joined with the amazing and beautiful Blue Talusma. She's here to help me break down this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment headlines. Blue, what you got going on? Hey family, how are you? Hey, look, I'm good. I'm ready to run down some hot topics. I hope you're here with me. You here with me? Let's go. Let's do it. All right, so let's get into it. Disney just announced the release date of the follow-up to the 2018 hit Black Panther alongside a slew of other MCU films. 
Black Panther Wakanda Forever is set to release in theaters on July 8th, 2022, and will be written and directed by our boy Ryan Coogler. Coogler will not be replacing the late Chadwick Boseman's character T'Challa, but will honor his legacy in the film. Denai Guerrera, Letitia Wright, and Lapita Nyong'o will return to the all-star cast. But what I want to know is, even though this new film's coming out blue, is it bittersweet? It is bittersweet, but I'm really, really uh, in love with the idea of the legacy continuing of Black Panther. Black, Black Panther was part of Chadwick's legacy, and I feel like a lot of us are going to watch it with him in mind. So even though he won't be there in body, I feel like he will be there in spirit. So I'm definitely going to be front and center when it comes out. Okay, Blue, I want to see if you're going to be front and center for this one. Lost actor Harold Perrineau will be the star of Epic's new horror series, From. The show is set to begin filming this summer and release sometime in 2022. The horror series unravels a mystery set in middle America town. Are you down for this, Blue? Can I be honest? I am so excited that thanks to people like Jordan Peele, our, our, our Lord and Savior of, of cinema, Jordan Peele, suddenly all these genres that Black people were not considered supposed to be a part of, like horror and sci-fi. Now you're seeing things like Lovecraft Country, you're seeing things like Amazon's number one hit, Them. And so I love this. I love that we are finally showing Black people in the horror genre, because it's about time. The mainstream media needs to know that we can be in all types of stories, and not just slave stories. Like, we, we have more range than that. So I'm going to be there for that, too. Hello. I love that. And, you know, this is the Black Excellence headline. It's only right we talk about what's going on at Howard University. Now, there's a basketball star by the name of McCord Maker. He landed a docuseries on Apple TV Plus following his freshman year in college during COVID-19 and the road to where he is today. The docuseries comes after Maker made the decision to go to a historically Black university as a five-star recruit. Now, I'm excited about this, Blue. I don't know how much you are into sports. How do you feel about this move he made? Okay, so I'm not into sports, but I lived in D.C. for 12 years. So H.U., like, come on, like, that alone. I will say this, though. It feels like, and tell me if I'm wrong, it kind of feels like Apple Plus is inching up on Netflix. And honestly, COVID-19 is such a weird moment that I think it's kind of dope that while we're still in it, we can still see how people are grappling with it. Because let's be honest, we're living in history right now. So any docuseries, any TV shows, anything that has to do with COVID-19, I find myself wanting to watch out of curiosity because I'm still living it as we speak. Yeah, uh, you made a lot of good points there. And let's be honest, a lot of five-star recruits do not go to historically black colleges. They go to Duke, True. they go to all these other places. So it's so huge that he's doing that. But we're going to keep that flow of docuseries going because YouTube just announced that Will Smith, Alicia Keys, and Migos will be getting their own docuseries through the streaming platform. Now, Will Smith will focus on health and wellness his journey, you know, as he returns to the best shape of his life. Ice Cold will be produced by the Migos. It's a docuseries about the racial inequality through hip-hop jewelry. Now, that's a big oh, one. And okay. Alicia Keys that's is wild. also set to release. Yep. No, that is, it's crazy, right? And Alicia Keys is also set to release a docuseries following the making of her eighth studio album as well. So my question is, Blue, which one are you going to watch? I'm definitely going to be watching Will Smith because he had me fooled. I felt so bad for him when he posted that dad bod picture on Instagram. I personally think he looks great, dad bod or not. But I'm curious to see <laughs> what his transformation is because Will Smith on his worst day looks better than most men on their best day. Um, the thing about the jewelry one is fascinating, though. I would have never thought about that. So I love that they're doing this kind of programming because it shows that they're investing more in black people in our stories rather than just using us as the talent 
Um, and docu-series are really important because I think in particular when it comes to hip-hop, there's such a huge persona. It's always nice to see rappers and entertainers behind the lens. So I'm going to be tuned in for a bunch of these shows. I need to get a pen and paper ready to write this down. All right, Blue, I hear you, but I got to get your thoughts on this one right here. Comedian Michael Che has a new show on HBO Max called That Damn Michael Che. It's available to stream right now. The show features the SNL star going through everyday life from his perspective. The show will feature several special guests, including Amari Hardwick and Method Man. But my question is, Blue, have you at least peeped out the trailer yet? Yes, because you have me at Method Man. Method Man was my... Original uh, Man Crush Monday. He still looks very good. Um, Michael Che, let me let me focus. Sorry, come back, Blue. Um, uh, Michael Che stays employed. This man always has a job. I, I'm I stay impressed by how he is always keeping his finger on the pulse. And anything that he does is really funny, but also smart. So I'm curious to see what he's coming up with with a lineup like that that includes. M-E-T-H-O-D man. I will definitely be tuned in. Um, I have to say this, though. I'm wondering how much of it will, it's going to be real and how much of it is going to be kind of staged. Mm. Oh, man, Blue, this was great having you with me for this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment. We definitely got to do this again. Absolutely. Thanks to you. I'm going to be watching even more television and more streaming apps than I need to. So thanks a lot, Damage. You've completely made me unproductive because of this. <laughs> of course. And, you know, we family, so I'm definitely going to be seeing you soon. But look, y'all, like I said earlier, we're going to have to talk about black excellence when it comes to the late and great Andre Harrell. He epitomized the topic, and it's been um, it's been a year since his untimely passing. Personally, I feel like we have to celebrate him and keep his name alive. He's a titan in the industry. He's our uncle. He's our leader. He's our mentor. Andre Harrell has done so much for so many people. Um, me specifically, he has definitely went out of his way to make sure I was good in so many different areas. Um, this is a guy that I can go on rambling for hours about how great um, the spirit and soul of this man is. So now what we're gonna do is take a special look at the life and legacy of our king, our uncle, Andre the Great Harrell. I miss you, Dre. He, he was a pioneer as far as in hip hop. Then later on, he goes on to create Uptown, Records. Andre to me was, had a big heart. He was always calm and dignified, gentleman. Could always solve and find a solution that worked for everyone. You believed in me, you know, and, and you kept teaching me. Even to today, you still teach me. Andre, you've been my father for the last, like, 30 years, B. I want to take the time to thank Andre. on everybody it's Torrey back on revolt black news and we're taking a special look at president biden's first 100 days in office here to help me out community advocate and activist char bates 
coming to us from Atlanta, the co-chair of Our Black Party, Dr. Wes Bellamy from Virginia State University, and Republican strategist Chris Prudhomme. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. All right, let's get this started. I want to kick around a question, have everybody answer it. You can answer it briefly or you can take a little time with it. It's your choice. Shar, we're going to start with you, ladies first. Um, is Biden a legitimately elected president? Yes or no? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what they said. That's what they said, not the answer I was expecting from you. Okay, Dr. West, yes or no, legitimately elected president? Yes. Okay, Chris, what do you think? Is Biden a legitimately elected president? I'm going to go with Charles' answers. I guess that's what they said. You guessed. Wow. Simple questions starting out to be much harder than I expected. All right, look. Biden has a 53% job approval. Uh, over 100 million people have been vaccinated. 6% unemployment. 100 days in, how do you think he's doing? Uh, Dr. West, we'll start with you. Is he doing a good job so far? Well, from my personal estimation, I think that he's doing an adequate job. I wouldn't call it a good job. And here's why I say that. The Biden campaign made several promises to black folks, specifically when they were talking about the urgency of why we need to come out to vote. And in my personal estimation, that is yet to come to fruition yet. He has written a check that he's yet to cash. Specifically, he, he prided himself on being an individual who was able to reach across the aisle. But we have not seen that come to fruition in terms of passing the passing of the George Floyd and Justice Act. It has not come to fruition in terms of the For the People Act or the John Lewis voting bill. And then when we talk about the filibuster, he is yet to provide any comments in that. I think that providing any comments in terms of being in favor of amending it so that we can get equal voting rights, I think he's done a, a decent job. He did a good job in Congress as a whole, did a good job in terms of bringing forth the stimulus package. But we will not be pacified by stimulus shots and COVID shots, by, by stimulus checks and COVID shots. That's just not going to do it for us. We need legislation. We need justice. He promised us this, and he needs to deliver. You know, two of the issues that I think are really valuable for Black people that are on the larger table but not, not being focused on enough, D.C. statehood. There are several million people who do not have representation, and the Senate don't effectively have a vote for the presidency. Um, I would like to see that change. And when we talk about $15 minimum wage, that would have a material impact on millions of Black lives. Char, what do you think about those two notions, and are there other things that you would like to see that will have a direct impact on Black people right away that Biden could get into? Um, I think that both of those are necessary. Um, the thing about it is, is, is I, I can't even believe we're even discussing if we should be able to have $15 an hour because consistently, you know, the cost of living is being raised, but the minimum wage is literally is stifling and it's crazy. Um, but I think he should be focusing on exactly what we've been marching about for about a hundred and something years. Um, we've been asking to be treated just as a regular citizen. We're not asking for anything crazy. I would like for Biden and his administration to stop capping and actually admit that is it, that it is discriminatory practices and treatment of of black people, you know, people of color, indigenous, however you would like to classify it. More importantly, um, police need to be held accountable. Every time I hear him talking about police, 
he's saying it in a way like is with this whole few bad apple things. It's not just a few bad apple. I'm where the good apples is. We should be saying with a few good apples. That should be the new uh, verbiage that we should be using. Um, but Biden needs to actually stop. What's happening is, is that he's pandering to us on the small things, you know, that's giving us a quick pats on the back and making us feel good about taking a picture with him. But it's nothing that's happening right now that is actually addressing our problems every single day that we deal with, you know, and that has to be police reform and has to be at the forefront, you know, and they need to stop allowing, you know, um, statements to be weaponized because, you know, they, they weaponize Black Lives Matter, you know, um, they have uh, weaponized defunding the police when they're not actually looking at the breakdown of what that actually means. Um, so it just needs to be more things happening on this issue. Are you vaccinated? And when you look at the large number of people, Americans who are not vaccinated and who are resistant, especially with our community, is there more that Biden needs to be doing to market and sell this issue to black people in, gen in particular and Americans in general to say we all need to be vaccinated? Uh, no, I have not taken the vaccine. And, and look, I think they, <laughs> if, if, they, if they ever wanted to put a product in people's hands, they're, they're doing, certainly doing it now. You see it in commercials. You see it. I mean, heck, I was watching Family Guy last night. And, and at the end of the show on Family Guy, uh, they have Stewie coming up saying, Mom, 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 20 times. And she's like, what? He says, did you get your vaccine? And the show ended saying, and the show literally ended with a huge disclaimer to CDC, please get your vaccine. So, I, look, I think we all know the marketing on the vaccine. But, and look, I know it's a, I know people look at it as a very important issue, and I'm not discounting that. But to me, it makes me very apprehensive because the reality is that when you have so much emphasis, especially in the beginning, and people can call it what they want, conspiracies and all the pictures that we've seen and with things that some people call it fake or not, people are actually getting injected with the vaccine. But the reality is this. To me, when you have such a huge uh, uh, market employee initially, right, a gimmick, so to speak. Yeah, presidents doing it live. All I mean, it, it to me it was just too much. And and I think look, and I think we are. The reality is that like my, like one of my buddies said, look, why would he take something that he hasn't had all year to now put in his body to have that he hasn't had all year? And look, and I think for someone who travels frequently, myself, and and who does a lot, uh, you know, knock on wood, I've been play. I I take turmeric, echinacea, I take immunity shots. You can buy it at Costco, take it every day. Emergency vitamin C. I, I mean, so. And I'm not saying, look, it affects everybody differently. I'm not saying that I respect people's thoughts and their values. I, I do get that and I understand that. But as for me, uh, I just think it was it was too swift to bring. And look, we had to have something. So I get, I, I understand that. But as for me, to answer your question, I, that's why I'm not doing it. I just don't think that, I, I choose not to put that into my body uh, when such a quick turnaround time. When normally these things are not, you know, 10, 11 years, not, not in a matter of months. Um, Dr. West, let's talk about the future. What would you like to see Biden do that would then add up to you saying, okay, this was an effective and powerful presidency? 
Well, for me, specifically, their policy measures. We need the justice, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed. We need the voting rights bill, the excuse me, the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill, as well as the For the People Act passed. We need qualified immunity, which is one of the items that is in the George Floyd Justice Bill, but on a statewide level that needs to be removed. And furthermore, I would like to see uh, black unemployment raised. When we look at uh, currently right now, according to the numbers that came out from department last year the uh, unemployment rate was at 6.1 percent for black folk it was not 9.4 percent we need to bring those numbers down so we need to get if we're going to build back better let's build black even better and get us where we need to be chris is there anything that biden could do that would lead to you saying like okay that was a that was a good presidency look i i think right now we're just in a challenging time in america what i would like to see him do is and I, I know this, this is a much more robust conversation, but the reality is that what I'd like to see him do is is figure out a way to really bring us together. When I say us, I'm talking about Democrats, Republicans, everybody, because right now we're in a very inefficient time. We're just not getting nothing is effective. We don't see eye to eye anything. It's, it's either your left or your right. And I mean, to the far left, or the far right. There's no in between. And that's not healthy for us. I think we need to come back to kind of a centered conversation and stop and, and stop uh, making everything so politically correct and, and done on a political agenda, so to speak. And I think we need to really come back uh, down to earth and as people and start moving forward and talking as people. We're not doing that. It's either it's and even if it's good policy, it doesn't matter. It's all based upon politics and what makes sense for the overall parties or what makes sense for an agenda. And that's it. And that's not healthy for us. I think we need to really come back down to a place where we can actually get things done and move forward as a nation collectively. Char, Chris, Dr. West, thank you all for joining us for this important conversation. We appreciate your time. Ebony, back to you. Panel, thank you so much for that insightful conversation. It actually leads me to get to these midterm elections that are going to be next year. Because as much as we are right to criticize President Biden, see, we still got to do our part and do our work to make sure that the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate look like they need to. See, think of it like this. It's like Biden's the head coach. But see, to win the game, you got to make sure that the best players are on the field, particularly in the last two years and four years of Biden's term. So this is what I need you to do. Go to headcount.org. Get registered to vote if you're not already. They make it super simple, y'all. They lay it out state by state and give you all the information you need right down to your polling place. Now, listen, we saw the incredible power of our vote in November, and then we saw it again when the two U.S. Senate seats went blue in Georgia. We can do it again, and we need to in 2022. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time.